You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey there, Cremaholics. It is your host, Kenzie. I am back, and it has been quite some time since you have heard from me personally. And I am so excited to be bringing you this case that I have recently discovered for this new Missing Mondays episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created here on Cremaholics because at any given time, 90,000 people in the U.S. are missing. While some are found alive or deceased, the majority of them are still missing today. And it is my mission here with Cremaholics to keep missing persons' name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that I can. On this week's Missing Monday, I will be bringing you the disappearance of 11-year-old Trudy Appleby. On August 21st, 1996, a man named Dennis Appleby left for work around 9.30 in the morning in his hometown of Moline, Illinois. The morning that Dennis left to go to work, he left his 11-year-old daughter, Trudy Appleby, home by herself while she enjoyed her last few days of summer vacation. Trudy later that day was seen by a neighbor getting into a car with a man who appeared to be possibly in his 20s with dark curly hair and wearing a baseball cap. When Dennis arrived home later that evening from work, he realized that his 11-year-old daughter was missing. He jumped into action calling all of her daughter's friends and family, but no one has seen or heard from her. After reporting his daughter missing to the police, her disappearance would go cold for more than 20 years. Like many other 11-year-olds, Trudy Appleby was described by her family as an adventurous girl who acted a lot like a tomboy. During the summertime, her family would often go camping to spend time together. At the time of Trudy's disappearance, her family was separated and she was residing in the home with her father, Dennis. It was said that Dennis was a good father and he did everything he could to make ends meet and to raise Trudy to be the best child that she could be. Her friends and family said that Trudy had a lot of good friends in her neighborhood at the time of her disappearance, but one of her very close friends was named Amber. Amber stated that when she had met Trudy, her family had just moved into the neighborhood and Amber's mom came outside of their home and saw Trudy standing in their front yard. Trudy, being the outgoing adventurous girl she was, quickly just says to Amber's mom, hey, you got any kids I could play with in there? Amber's mom says with a smile, I do have a little girl right around your age and she would probably love to play with you. Amber's mom went inside the home and brought Amber outside to Trudy. The two of them became inseparable. Amber and Trudy would often play outside in the neighborhood like most children would back then or they would play inside of Amber's home playing one of their favorite things, Super Nintendo. On August 21st in 1996, Trudy was hanging out at home enjoying the last few days of her summer vacation before she was to start the sixth grade at Washington Elementary in Moline, Illinois. 
On the night of August 20th, 1996, so just one night before Trudy went missing, she was outside playing with her friend Amber. Each night, the girls would play together, and what they did was something they called their nightly ritual. In order to get to Trudy's home, you had to go through the woods and down a long driveway. Amber would walk Trudy halfway to her home and the two girls would count to three and they would both run in opposite directions, Amber to her home and Trudy to her home as fast as they could. The two girls often had plans to play. So on the 21st, the day Trudy went missing, they had plans to spend the day outside together the first thing in the morning. Amber had set her alarm to make sure that she had woke up on time to meet Trudy. But being that it was summer vacation and Amber did not have to get up at a particular time, she had hit her snooze button over and over. Once finally waking up, Amber realizes that she was late to meet Trudy, so she jumped right out of bed and runs to the telephone and picks it up and tries to call Trudy's home, but there was no answer. Amber did not think much of it, so she just went on about her day, even after going outside and seeing that Trudy was not waiting for her. Trudy's dad, Dennis, would often come home for lunch each day sometime around noon. When he arrived home on August 21st, 1996, around that same time, he notices that Trudy's not home. But being that Trudy was often a social girl who would be outside playing with her friends, he didn't think much of it. And this is a time before communication was super easy. So it's not as if Trudy would have been able to call her dad, Dennis, to let him know where she was going to be. So Dennis eats his lunch, he heads back to the office and knows that he will be back by the end of the day. Several hours pass and Dennis is finally off of work for the day. He heads home and this is when his concerns start to grow. When he arrives, he sees that his daughter Trudy has still not come home. Dennis waits until the sun goes down and when Trudy still does not arrive back, he starts to call all the places that she frequents with her friends. All the friends state that they have not seen Trudy all day and her father knew that this was not like her. Dennis goes door to door asking the neighbors if they have seen his daughter Trudy and one of the neighbors tells Dennis something very troubling. They tell him that they saw his daughter get into what looked like a four-door silver Chevy with a man in his 20s with long curly dark brown hair wearing a baseball cap. Dennis quickly phones the police to tell them that his daughter is missing and she was seen getting into a car with an unidentified man. But the police do not take this very serious in the beginning, and they assume that Trudy is just a runaway. But Dennis knew in his heart that his daughter did not run away. The only things that were missing from their house was Trudy's swimsuit and a towel, and he had noticed that there was $200 at their home that Trudy had saved up over the summer. If she was going to run away, Dennis questioned why would she have not taken that $200 with her. Dennis was so convinced that there was no possible way that Trudy was a runaway that he even came up with a theory that maybe Trudy's mother's side of the family had picked Trudy up and was not going to give her back. Trudy would often spend time with her mother's side of the family, so this could very well have been a plausible explanation as to why she had went missing. However, this theory was quickly put to rest when Trudy's uncle on her mother's side said that Trudy's aunt and grandmother were out camping and had left before Trudy had even went missing. Because there was no cell phones during this time and no type of easy communication, Trudy's uncle drove out to the campsite where the aunt and grandmother were to look around to make sure that Trudy was not there and to let them know that Trudy was missing. As hours turn into days, the police are starting to believe the theory 
that Trudy being a runaway was incorrect and they start to look at her case as an abduction. And then, of course, they start with the people that are closest to her. The FBI gave everyone in Trudy's family a polygraph test, which they all happened to pass. After finding out that her family was not involved, they start to question all the local sex offenders, but of course, they have no luck. What made the police believe even more that Trudy was not a runaway was that her birthday was on September 4th, 1996, and she would be turning 12. Trudy's birthday came and went, and there was absolutely no word from her. It was not like her to not want to spend her birthday with her family. What 12-year-old do you know would just run away for no apparent reason just weeks before her birthday? Guys, I want to tell you about this amazing podcast that I just came across recently called Trying Not to Care. This is a podcast for anyone who has ever felt misunderstood, alone, or as if they care too much for people who don't care about them at all. The host Ashley dives into topics about mental health, navigating your 20s, friendships, breakups, self-love, manifestation, and more. This podcast is perfect for anyone who is looking to improve their life and become the best version of themselves. As somebody who recently went through a divorce at 30, I'm back in the dating game and learning how to do all of this from the very beginning. Ashley's podcast has me relating to her in every single episode. You can listen to Trying Not to Care on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. There was no leads or sightings of Trudy after her disappearance. Those weeks would turn into months and those months would turn into years. And because there was no signs or leads of Trudy, her family once again started pointing the fingers at each other. Before Trudy's dad, Dennis, became a father, he had a lot of very questionable friends that often got caught up in a lot of criminal activity. Trudy's mom believed that His friends may have been the reason why Trudy had went missing, but to the police, there was just really no strong evidence or even any type of credible information for them to even try to believe this theory. And Trudy's dad, Dennis, just stuck to the theory that her family was the one who took Trudy and refused to give her back. But there has just never been enough evidence to support either accusation. Around one year after Trudy disappears, her friend Amber gets up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. This is a cold, snowy night in Illinois, and as she is walking past the window in the living room headed to the bathroom, she notices something unusual out of the corner of her eye. Amber looks out the window, and she sees a person in all black standing on the outside of the fence in the yard. Of course, because Trudy had just went missing, this spooks Amber, and she runs into her mom's bedroom and wakes her up. 
Amber's parents quickly call the police, but when they arrive, all that is left there is just footprints in the snow. And to this day, not a single person has any idea who is standing outside of their fence. After this incident, there happens to be no leads or sightings of Trudy or any evidence to lead the police to her possible whereabouts and her case goes cold. In 2014, Trudy's mother Brenda sadly passes away after being hit by a drunk driver while walking down the road. This death hit really hard for her family because Brenda really beat herself up after her daughter went missing. They said that it was even harder for them because Brenda passed away not knowing what had ever happened to her daughter. After Brenda's death, her father Dennis finally lets go of his theory that Brenda's family is the reason that his daughter went missing. He kind of felt that Brenda really did beat herself up when Trudy went missing and she was completely distraught the entire time. With Brenda being so distraught, Dennis believed that eventually Trudy would have shown back up if Brenda's family did happen to be the reason that she was missing. After Brenda's death in 2014, they start to lose faith that they will ever find out what has happened to their beloved Trudy. But in 2015, the case is handed over to a new detective by the name of Michael Griffin. And as years go on, they start to develop some persons of interest in the case. And one theory begins to be shared that is very plausible. By 2017, the police publicly identified two persons of interest by the name of William Ed Smith and his son-in-law, David Whipple. William Ed Smith had actually passed away several years prior to being named a person of interest in Trudy's disappearance, but the detective assigned to her case, again Michael Griffin, had something really strong to say about William Ed Smith. He said that when he died in 2014, the man had went to hell and that he was never going to leave. He did not elaborate on that statement, but he stands by that statement today that William Ed Smith is not a good man and he is in hell where he belongs. He states that over the years he had questioned William Ed Smith and he would lie and only tell half-truths. He of course never says he is the reason why Trudy disappeared but claims that he was a witness to the disappearance but the police have never believed that to be true. Growing up, Trudy was actually friends with David Whipple's daughter, and David Whipple just happened to be a registered sex offender. In 2002, it was said that he had sexually abused a family member sometime between the ages of 10 and 11, and Trudy happened to be 11 years old at the time of her disappearance, and this was not something that the new detective Michael Griffin ever ignored. It was said by Trudy's family members that in the past, she had gone boating with the Whipple family several times prior. Michael Griffin had come up with the theory that the Whipple family likely took Trudy out boating that day and something had happened to her. What he could not figure out is if what had happened was intentional or if it was an, an accident. But he says this would make complete sense on why Trudy had only left with her swimsuit and towel. Trudy had asked her father, Dennis, actually the day before she disappeared if she could go boating with the Whipple family, and he had told her no. But because Trudy had gone boating with the Whipple family before, it would make total sense as why she was seen willingly getting into a car with an older, unidentified male. They do believe that Trudy had planned on returning home later that day as she had took nothing with her but a swimsuit and towel. When David Whipple was questioned about Trudy going boating with them that day, he claims that he did not go with them, but he did see William Ed Smith, his father-in-law, with a young girl near Campbell's Island. 
It was said that William Ed Smith was known to frequent the area of Blackbird Island to make it to Dynamite Island, which both are only accessible by boat and just happen to be on the northern edge of Campbell's Island itself. So it was very plausible that William Ed Smith was at Campbell's Island that day. Not only was he seen at Campbell's Island that day with a young girl, but he also had a car matching the description of the car that Trudy was seen getting into. And believe it or not, that car was scrapped at a junkyard the very next day after she went missing. And to make matters worse, the police were having trouble locating the boat that the Whipple family had taken Trudy out boating in before. It would be 14 years before the police can finally locate that boat. It was said that the Whipple family had taken that boat and hid it in a faraway barn shortly after the silver Chevy that Ed was seen driving was scrapped. If you have nothing to hide, why would you scrap a car and hide a boat for 14 years? The police finally tracked down the boat in Springfield, Illinois, because the Whipple family had sold it off to a family. Once the police locate the boat, they were super adamant about still trying to get any DNA off that boat that they could, even though it had been 14 years since Trudy had gone missing. Detective Michael Griffin stated that once they retrieved the boat from the family that bought it from the Whipples, they were able to get over 500 swabs of evidence from this boat. But the detective says because there is such a large quantity of swabs, all of those DNA evidence samples are still being processed as of today. He has said over and over many times that he believes Trudy left her home voluntarily, thinking that she was going to go out to play with her friend and that they would spend the day out boating. But when she got into that car, she did not know that she was going to be met with two very dangerous men who were likely responsible for her disappearance. Knowing what Trudy's family knows now about William Ed Smith and David Whipple, they do not believe that Trudy will be coming home alive and they have officially stopped pointing the fingers at each other. But at this point, it's a matter of getting answers as to what happened and where she is and holding somebody responsible for Trudy's disappearance. Trudy Appleby went missing from Moline, Illinois on August 21st, 1996. She's a Caucasian female with brown hair and blue eyes and stood at five feet tall at the time of her disappearance and weighed approximately 85 pounds. If you have any information about the disappearance regarding Trudy Appleby, you are encouraged to call the Moline Police Department at 309-797-0401. Crimeholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook, or you can follow us on Instagram at crimeholics.podcast, where I will have pictures of Trudy posted. Or you are more than welcome to follow me personally on Instagram at this is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I underscore. Crimeholics, as always, be aware and take care. <laughs>